The Over the Bonnet podcast is brought to you by Merrimack Medical, Gimpy Foam and Rubber, Luscious Slicks and NICAD Earth Moving. In this episode, I speak with a lady who's an advocate for multi-level marketing and CBD oil for chronic pain and has never lost her quest for true freedom. Rhea Bostad runs three online businesses and is keen to share her knowledge to help others live in financial freedom while also helping people who suffer from long-term pain. Over the Bonnet with Mark Peepers. <laughs> well, at least the guests are good. You'll never know what happens with the conversation when it's Over the Bonnet. <laughs> You're kidding me, aren't you? Ria Bostead, welcome to Over the Bonnet. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited. We're excited to have you here. You've had a very interesting and varied life. Where did it all start? Let's talk about the early days. Ah, early days. Okay. Um, probably had a little bit of adventure in my early to late 20s where I lived on a houseboat for a short while, about two years. But the adventures kind of stopped after that. We got into a bus and travelled a little bit. But uh, it was when I met Jim, my partner, that we've been together for nearly 26 years that life started to really change. Hang on a minute. What about the houseboat? That must have been fun. Living on the boat was fantastic. I absolutely did love the lifestyle. Um, It had no motor, so we had to move from Redcliffe to Bribie, so we had to be towed up by friends that had a trawler. But um, I had, um, there was something that broke at the front. It was the rudder or something, and I was the only one that could actually fit in the hole to fix it so we could continue the steering it was the actual steering I think that was busted so I had a friend remind me of that last week (laughs) must have been fun though living on a boat it was it it was the lifestyle was amazing like if you don't like your neighbours you just (laughs) normally pick up anchor and chug off Uh, but it was yeah it was fun you know the lapping of the water and just it was the freedom the lifestyle freedom that you had and you met some really amazing people living on a boat it's like the old joke, you know, about when you have a waterbed, we started drifting apart. Um, how was the lifestyle, though? It really must have been pretty relaxing. It was. It was very relaxing. Uh, we had a um, detailing business at the time, which we moved from Kedron to Redcliffe. So we were able to work as well as the, the living on the boat. But that ended up sort of going by the wayside, sadly. And uh, yeah, just having yeah, the freedom just to do whatever. The kids would swim in the marina. Uh, you'd be catching, just throw the fishing rod out and you'd be catching fish. So yeah, the lifestyle style of it was a very relaxed calming feeling and to go to sleep at night and you just had that little rock uh, at night it was yeah I loved it I did enjoy it and I was on a houseboat last week which really brought back some good memories of of being on the boat we'll get back to that in a moment because how did you get into living on a boat in the first place because it really must have been a, a big step it was a big step uh, from memory because uh, it was. I'm going back thirty two 
33 years ago that this all happened and I think we just had some spare money but we didn't have enough money to buy a house and the houseboat was I think $5,000 so we ended up well it was an old trawler and it had actually sunk three times prior to us buying it (laughs) so we lived on the hard stand for three months and it was actually recorked so the old timber boats uh, they're recalled. And uh, yeah, so we sat there and we had an elderly gentleman who was um, a professional at, at recorking. So he did all the recorking. And then when we put it in the water, everybody, because everyone was yachts and sailboats and all, and we were the dirty old <laughs> Bay Cruiser ex trawler at the time. So they were all sitting there waiting for it to sink again. I think it was about 48 hours of bilge pumping because the water, everything had to expand. So there was uh, shifts. A couple of friends had stayed with us and, and everyone did shifts of doing the bilge pump because it was all <laughs> hand bilge pump. So, But yeah, it was great. It was good. And I homeschooled the my two youngest ones, my two eldest ones at the time. So, yeah, it was a good life. Homeschooling, why? And what did you get out of it? And how did the kids go? Kids went really, really well. Uh, it was a good thing because at least once a week I used to, we do go somewhere and do something, whether it was a museum or do something, and that would be uh, their assignments that they would do. And we would spend probably three hours a day doing the the homeschooling. And by the time they actually went back to school, they were six months ahead of all the other kids, which was brilliant at the time. And then they just fell back (laughs) again. But I used to get um, all the books, and we would get probably six months ahead of all in all the books so even if we wanted to when we finally got off the boat and started traveling in the bus you could do a full week of schoolwork, but it'd be a month's worth of schoolwork. So we could go and have a good time and enjoy and just see so much of whatever we could possibly see what was it like from the kids point of view they loved it. They absolutely loved it. They didn't want to go back to school when they did eventually go back to school, but it was it was good because they were able to um, mingle with a lot of other people and see a lot more uh, than the average kid actually sees. They've been to the school of life. It, yeah, definitely, definitely. They had a good life. <laughs> Looking back at it now, how your kids, how are they well adjusted now because of the experience that they had? Eldest is really well adjusted. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> He's really well adjusted. He loved it. He absolutely loved loved the schooling. Yeah, and loved the lifestyle of what we did. Yeah, and as he was growing up, it was just different lifestyle. Is it because he was old enough to enjoy it? Uh, yeah, look, it was very young at the time, uh, but as... As he grew, he still has those. He, he still has those memories. I mean, he's nearly thirty-seven now, and he still has those memories of the travel and living on the boat, and yeah, all the fun things. So yeah, it's really stick, stuck with him, in over the years of yeah everything that's happened. You talk about the yachties at the marina, and they look down on you. What were they like, really? Not very nice people. <laughs> They're not nice people. They. I think there was one. There was one couple. Uh, their names was John and Mary, and they had a beautiful son called Ben. 
And Ben was at the time 20 when we met him and he had had a, um, his five-year shot and he stayed five. He never, ever grew. So he had a reaction to that needle, which was really sad. But he really connected with with the kids and myself. So he used to come with us. I would try and give John and Mary a break and just take take him shopping and all the rest of it. And look, honestly, at the first marina we were living at, they weren't very nice people. What they do you put that down to? Snobby. They <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it, it is what it is. It is, yeah. Why? Because they got some money? Yeah, that was about it. That was about it. Once yeah. you got the boat sorted and it was actually proved itself, did their attitude change? No, we were we were still the low life because we just had a dirty old bay cruiser. It was the only bay cruiser that was in the, that marina. It was of quite a posh marina at this place. I'm not even going to mention it. <laughs> Well, it's an interesting thing that uh, you've had to deal with all of these people. How did you react at the time? Uh, it was it was hard at first. It was really hard at first. But when we, we ended up moving uh, and ended up at a Spinnaker Sound, which is up at Bribie, and we, there was only two permanent boats that lived there. And we got on really well with the other couple and all the other people were trawlers and weekenders. So it was really good to get out of a snotty environment to an environment that was <laughs> full of really nice people, you know. And it was, yeah, that was good. I absolutely loved living at Spinnaker. I love living up there. It was so, so money good. can't buy manners. No, definitely not. Let's expand on what it was like at uh, Bribie. Oh, you're taking me back a lot of years. This is at like over 30 years ago. Uh, it was a lot more relaxed, it was a mo- more inviting. Uh, if you asked for help, you would get help. And the trawlers used to be behind us. So we never actually had a window in the bed. So every morning I would have stuff getting thrown through my window as a stir. But I, the fresh prawns, I would have fresh prawns and fish. And I really got sick of eating seafood because it was a daily occurrence that <laughs> these guys would be bringing me seafood all the time. But it was, it was a really relaxed atmosphere up there. It, we really enjoyed that time because um, they weren't snotty. They weren't up themselves. They didn't have the best boat there was a whole variety of different boats that were up there but look it was yeah that was a better lifestyle those guys on the trawlers they're good guys they work really hard they do they really do and and we were friends with a couple of them prior to that anyway and really got to know because i think there was about 10 10 different boats there so uh yeah we really got a connection with the guys because they were just down to earth like we were and I'm an old hippie from way back, so just I treat you as you treat me. And, yeah, it was good fun. So were you on the marina when you were at Bribie or how did you get to and from land? Oh, we were on the marina, yeah, Mm. because we didn't have a motor. (laughs) We still never had a motor, never, ever got a motor. Did it ever occur to you to put one in? Oh, it occurred to me. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't occur to the ex. Yeah. Um, why not? Why didn't you put a motor in it? Because he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so I divorced him. 
Uh, well, there's uh, s- small mercies. Anyway, so then you moved on to a bus. Yep, bought a bus, started travelling in a bus and actually broke down at Bribe, at, um, at Gympie. So that was uh, 20, 31 years ago. We actually broke down in Gympie and we ended up at the Gold Nugget Caravan Park so we didn't get very far and we sold the bus and got a caravan and then we got to Rockhampton and moved to Keppel Sands and then I got work at Keppel Island and was working at a pizza place at Keppel Island on the weekend. So that was pretty good. One big adventure for you at the time. Yes, that was and then it continued later on in life. What was Keppel like back in those days? It was Beautiful. sort of the glory days of Keppel Island. Yeah, it was stunning. Um, we we actually worked the weekends over at the pizza place, so there was uh, it was not far off where you got off the the boat, and we'd just walk up to the pizza place and do that. All run on generator. Everything was generator. It was an ice cream parlour, so I had to turn the generator off late at night and then get it back on early in the morning so the ice cream wasn't melting. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was, that was good. I absolutely loved working over there. That was uh, just a different experience of getting over there and meeting so many different people. Well, that's what I was going to ask. What are the sort of people that you actually met on the island? It was huge, just a variety. A variety of people would come and go, you know. It was... It was uh, there was no, I don't think I met any celebrities over there as I have later on in life. But um, yeah, it was just that variety of people. But you're taking me back so many years ago. I've got to really remember <laughs> what, what actually happened. You say no celebrities, but anyone that really sort of stands out that you go, you think about them occasionally. From over there? Yeah. No, to be honest, no, probably the owners, um, Penny and Murray Spencer, um, they're probably the only people that really do stick out because it was only a weekend job, yeah. So you're in Rockhampton working on Great Keppel. Why move? It sounded like a pretty nice lifestyle. Uh, It was a good lifestyle but ended up... uh, buying a block of land and building a house at Glenwood. So we had a certain amount of money and we were able to buy, I think the block of land was $5,000 and we were able to build a house for about twenty-five. dollars Some people would cringe when they hear those figures. Oh, yes. <laughs> but we didn't, didn't last very long, didn't last very long. The marriage broke up and uh, I moved on. So you're moving on, your life continues to evolve. Describe yourself because you tend to be, by the sounds of it, a bit of an adventurer. Yes, yes. Uh, Gypsy. I'm a gypsy. I love travelling. Jim and me met and it's just gone from good to great. And we have worked with the tents, the tent city hire. We travelled around for five years setting up tents for events and festivals. So got to meet so many amazing people and artists as well along the way. And I ended up becoming extra and extra for movies, videos, ads, and I still do that now. 
Uh, we have joined the Moscow Circus. We have done the show circuit, the Northern Territory show circuit. I still work at the show when it comes to town. I do here in Meribara when it when it comes in. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know, I just do so much. I love just living life. They're a lifestyle all unto themselves, the showies. Oh, definitely. Sometimes they get a bad rap. Do they deserve it? No. No, look, there's always the occasional baddie, but that's in everywhere and you do get a lot of you might get a lot of different travelers that are workers like us you know we're outsiders coming in if you're not accepted mm. you won't stay very long you certainly won't stay very long we, we've been very very blessed of knowing people that have been part of the show anyway so by meeting introducing people like when we originally started um, the show circuit in Northern Territory the person I was working for was good friends with the people I knew here in Gympie that were part of the show circuit for many years years ago and uh, the same as the Moscow Circus they knew so everyone knows each other or families and I, I love it we were really um invited into the family and I'm still in contact with many of them now as uh, today so uh, we can always get work with the show anywhere if wherever they are so that's that's the good thing about it do you enjoy that bohemian lifestyle love it absolutely love it I've got the itchy feet now uh, and we just we got a few things happening we got a coaster bus and we just jump in and that's how I get the work I find work along the way uh, and we just do it so I just find outback work love the outback outback Australia is amazing what attracts you to the outback uh, I think this the just the open the open space and it's bloody hot and there's flies Oh, hot. We worked at Cameron Corner a couple of years ago through Christmas and I've got photos of 53-degree heat out there and the flies were crazy. But I tend to forget <laughs> that stuff. It's like and childbirth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, you don't. You do. You tend to forget it. And I keep saying to Jim, when I say I want to go here in the middle of summer, can you please tell me to stop because, and remind me yeah I do I forget that because there's so many good memories of it so yeah it's great Cameron Corner in the middle of summer why did you go there in the first place and what were you doing something different to start with and Jim and myself are all-rounders we class ourselves as all-rounders so he is a carpenter by trade he hasn't done his trade for a lot of years, but he does welding, he's done mechanics, uh, he does maintenance of so many things. He's a very clever, uh, very good artist. And uh, myself, I do um, bar hospitality, I've done for 30, nearly 40 years. Uh, so I do bar, kitchen, office, I do do house cleaning, but don't like it. Getting a bit old for the house cleaning. The old back can't handle that. But I'll, I'll put my hand up for pretty well anything. Is yeah. that what you need when you do go on the road like that, that you've got to throw your hand to anything? Yes. Yeah. Is, is it still something that is available for anyone if they want to get on the road? There is so much work out there. 
they're honestly, I've, and I've got, I'm on different sites, different group sites, and there is so much work out there. If you, if you are willing to jump in the car and go, you'll find, you'll get the work. Always, we'll get the work. And there's accommodation. We've got our own accommodation, uh, but there is accommodation out there for everybody. What sort of sites? If you, if someone wanted to go and get on the road, and they yep. suddenly go, okay, it's time to leave. Yep. Where do they go? What sort of sites? Uh, there's a heap on Facebook. So the Grey Nomads is one of them. So you've just got to be over a certain age on the Grey Nomads, I think, from memory. Grey hair helps. Grey hair help. Oh, I don't have grey hair. <laughs> There's no grey here. Uh, yeah, there is just so many sites out out there. You just got to look, um, travel, work, anything. There is many many sites out there that you can get on. Many companies that you can get on. There, you don't have to pay for them. There's no paying, and it, they just come through daily to me. They come through. So yeah. What do you say to people that say, "I can't get a job"? It's hard. It's it's hard to because I don't know their circumstances. Their circumstances, um, you know, if if they're not willing to travel or they haven't got that ability to be able to travel, I I feel for them to start with. Um, but if you're willing to be adventurous, if you're willing to do something different get out there and do it, you know. I mean, get out there and enjoy life because there's so much out there to enjoy. A lot of, so many people, when they sit there and say, I'm broke, I can't do this. Some people, and I sit there, they, they're smoking tailor-maids or they're doing this. I have absolutely, sorry, no pity. I love you, but no pity. Because <laughs> if you can't afford to do something... You can't afford to sit there and smoke a tailor-made because you know how much tailor-mades cost these days? It's ridiculous to what people... Just about got to mortgage the house to get yeah, a packet. Yeah, yeah. So get out there, you know. Stop moaning and groaning about life. Get out there and live it. I've been there. You know, I've been in that situation. And it's either make a choice or stop, stop complaining. Just stop complaining. Just make a choice. You've, it's our choice to do what we want to do. And I chose. I chose to live a life. I chose to get out there and be adventurous and have fun. And I do. Every day I wake up and I feel so blessed with what I've got in my life and the choices that I've now made. What do your kids think about the fact <laughs> that mum is such an adventurer? Uh they're used to it. They've been part of it. They've been very much part of it. Sadly, two of my children are having their own issues, so I don't really see them. My eldest son just keeps saying to me, live your life, mum, live your life, you know, and he loves seeing the adventures. He loves seeing what I'm doing and where I'm going, but they've all been part of the adventure at some stage. Uh, Our youngest son, he actually travelled with us a lot when we did the tent city. So we travelled a lot of Australia. We travelled a lot of South Australia, um, New South Wales. I, I did a couple of trips over to WA. So And we've seen part of Australia that nobody would ever see 
in in some of these events that we've been to you know you wouldn't even think to go to half of these places and uh, yeah I've just I've just got it I've got the bug and I'm happy to work I don't have to work these days because of my online businesses but we get too bored you know we do like to work but I got to that point where we can travel if we get bored okay let's get Let's get a job. And it would take me, I reckon, 48 hours and I would have work. If someone says they can't find it, it's there. It is. It's definitely there. You, but sometimes you've just got to be willing to move. You've got to be willing to go. Uh, people with families, it's a little bit harder. But if you're single or you're a couple, there is work. There is so much work. And even coming in here today, they were talking about the fruit picking they're losing billions of dollars worth of fruit and veggies, which is such a sad thing in Australia because they can't get the backpackers coming. Well, I mean, I don't want to... I've done that. I've been there. I've done it. And it's sometimes hard work. Sometimes it's not. But, you know, get out there and just experience it. A lot of that's closed down and suffering because of COVID. <coughs> How's that going to affect the gypsy lifestyle of a lot of people that are travelling around, like you say, the showies, the show circuit, the travellers? Yeah. How is it going to affect that or is it affecting that? It ha- Last year it did. It really did affect um, the circus, the show, the whole show. Uh, the setting up the uh, COVID restriction rules is costs a lot of money and uh, I really felt for it because that's their lifestyle that's the I know Moscow Circus all the people uh, all the overseas entertainers they had to go home uh, and everybody else they were just in one compound they don't know anything else really there's there that has always been their life um, with the shows yeah that that all stopped but I think this year they I had a con- conversation yesterday and hopefully the Gimpy show will be on but I think there's just going to be a lot more restrictions of happening with the traveling side the gypsy side I'm happy to go over borders. Jim's not. He would prefer just to hang around Queensland. Queensland's a big place. It's a really big place. And I think a lot of the um, travellers now, they are sticking close to their state uh, and just getting out there and seeing a lot more of where they actually live is, yeah, that's pretty good. Because we're actually being supposed to be in Canada last year. I want to do 12 months in Canada and that's going to take a couple of more years, I think, before any of that's going to happen. But Australia is a big country. We've seen a lot, but we've still got a lot more to see. What were you going to do in Canada? Travel. (laughs) (laughs) Travel. Uh, I would like to get maybe a little bit of work with the carnivals over there if we can that'd be interesting mm. with an in another <coughs> yeah uh, in another country yeah yeah and because we've got that background we would be able to slip in easy but i think legalities we have to be so careful there you can't i think you've got to be um it's either 30 or 35 uh, 
to work legally over there. And after that, we can get work, but we've got to be sponsored and they can't be able to get somebody else to do that job. So I, I don't know, but that's why I've built my businesses up to bring in the capital and then we don't have to worry about it. What part of Australia would you still like to see? You've obviously been to plenty of places. What's on the bucket list? Oh, there's too many. There's honestly too many to mention because there's so many places around that I haven't been to. So we've, like I say, we've done the circuit. We've done a lot of the middle of Australia. I do love the outback. I love the outback. The flies and the heat, I don't love, but the outback. So I would love to go back to Coober Pedy. Absolutely loved that place and spend a lot more time. What attracted you to there? It reminded me of home, just that you just don't throw anything out there. You do not throw anything out there. And it was just the openness, the space. It just had character, so much character. The underground homes, the underground motels. We did an underground church. Uh, I just, I love all of that craziness it was just yeah I just love different what are the people like there didn't spend a lot of time there that's why I'd like to go back uh you would have to be very careful I think (laughs) tread very carefully in what way why is that um they're very it's a very close-knit township and the people that are out there have had uh, have been there they've done all the opal minings they've done all the different minings out there so they're very I think wary of the strangers that come into town but I think you would be able to slip in and yeah integrate yeah I think so but they're probably happy to take your money though if if these outsiders they're keeping the town alive oh definitely and any any of those little towns anywhere in the smaller towns are suffering because the travelers uh, just aren't getting there so yeah I think I would just like to go to a lot of small towns and yeah, support them in some way. And we always have, no matter where we've gone to, uh, any small town will make a point of holding out to fill up the bus or holding out to buy the fruit and veggies just to put a little bit of money into the town. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good thing. Do they realise you're doing that and appreciate it? Some do. Uh, Some of the towns, what they were doing was uh, at the tourist information, if you bought something in that town, you put your receipt in a box and then they would see just how much money was getting spent in that township. So, yeah, that I think should be done in every small town for them to see that the money is getting spent in those towns. Yeah. I have seen that when I was out at St George and Cunnamulla out that way. Yeah. They were really big on yeah. putting the receipts and, and collecting them so they could see yeah. how much these travellers meant to the yeah. population. Yeah, yeah, it's so important. It is, it is really important, you know. Yeah, we'll try to stay away from the big towns they they get the people. Um, yeah, it's the smaller towns that. Yeah, Birdsville is is one of them. Uh, we actually went out there, 2014. We took our HR out there, and oh nice. Oh, it was so good. Oh, it was so good. Because 2015 we were doing the Endeavour Rally, 
and uh, 2014 we just wanted to we went on the uh, four-wheel drive track only got uh, walkers crossing we in an hr through. holden hr holden yeah we were the <laughs> bogans we were the bogans and yeah and yeah took it out there we all we dressed everybody up in jockey outfits for the races there was 11 of us so I got all the jockey outfits and we dressed up and yeah we had an absolute ball out there uh, but yeah Birdsville has really suffered as well and yeah it's good to get out there it's good to be able to spend the money and do the thing and I think the races are about the only thing that bring out the amount of people. It really carries that town. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, there's thousands of people out there. Absolutely thousands of people. What's the experience like, the Birdsville races? um, Very drunk. (laughs) (laughs) There is a lot of drinking. There's not a lot more you can do. Got up to go. I got in a helicopter. We did the helicopter experience up there. And going to the races is just... God, the people, the people out there, um, they really get into it. They, all the travellers that come in, we weren't the only ones dressed up, but we were the only jockeys. <laughs> Except for the jockeys themselves. Except for the jockeys themselves, yeah. We were getting asked for the the best horse to <laughs> back. <laughs> Got on 60 Minutes. What happened there? Uh, they just found us interesting and... Yeah, interviewed us. So we just had the quick 60 minutes, got on the 60 minutes, because I can't remember the reporter that was out there on 60 minutes, but, yeah, he was out there and found us interesting, so he got us on, <laughs> got us on there, yeah. You talk about um, the people. When you're travelling around with the tent hire business, Yeah. who are some of the standout people that you actually have had the pleasure and displeasure of meeting over the time? A few artists that are really nice artists uh, I know for the life of me I cannot even think of his name right now but he come from New Orleans a beautiful blues singer and it was the first time in Australia he got picked up and he couldn't believe just the sparseness of our country where he's he's saying where's all the buildings and he was coming to Woodford his first time at Woodford and it was just absolutely amazing he was a beautiful man and I seriously wish I could remember his name but yeah just talking to him and his life and and the hard life that he had led but the beautiful music that he was singing Uh, Missy Higgins got to meet Missy Higgins and she was um, very she's a very true Aussie girl beautiful Aussie girl uh, there's been a lot um, it's just been so many there's been so many people there's just no one that really stands out as in one particular area there's been a few that you don't really want to meet again I uh, got on. to meet Ross Wilson from Monday Rock and also Daddy Cool yep yeah, yeah, and he's lovely. He's he's actually got his own. Um, it's a light and sound company down in Brisbane because I got my eldest son into a light and sound uh, SAE down at Milton, and I, I actually met Ross Wilson at the muster, 
and I was talking to him and he was saying that the uh, he was having these programs for all the new people that wanted to come in and do all the light and sound and I could have got my son like it was a week I think within a week of me paying for the SAE course and I SAE what's that SAE is a company down at Milton that just specialises in light and sound. So, yeah, and Rod used to do that. He'd done the black eye. That's my son, Black Eyed Peas and Kylie Minogue and Pink. So he's had a good little play around as well. He doesn't do it now. Do you find that, yeah, some of these artists want to be the star? Yes. Yeah, yeah, some. But, look, honestly, not a lot that we had met. A lot of them were very outgoing, very would talk, want to talk. But, yeah, yeah, but you didn't have a lot to do with them. It's only because they were staying in our tents and we had to look after them and the tents. And if they were wanted a little bit of extra, then you would try and compensate and give them what you could because it must be hard for these artists also they're on the road they've got their own circuit to have to deal with and be on the road what did you see as far as artists doing it tough being away from home all the time Uh, I think just living in tents (laughs) we we used to live in the tents eight months of the year they did it about five days if it was Muster or Woodford or something like that. It wasn't. But living on the road, yeah, I reckon it'd be so hard for them to be away from their families. Um, Some in Woodford, a couple of them, I do remember bringing their families with them because it it would go for... 10, uh, 10 days, seven days, Woodford would always start at Christmas or Boxing Day and finish on the second. So you sort of had that length of time that they were there and spend the time with their families as well. But yeah, it was it was good. I, I remember we've mosh pitted with up close and personal with so many different bands, you know, it's it's been, that was a good life. The Tent City was a good life, yeah. What would you change about it? Nothing. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing. It was a great adventure. It was it was hard work. It was really hard work. But at the end of it, it was a great adventure. Just got to see so many great places. And the amount of people, there was one in particular job that we did, and it was um, a Hardy's wine. It was a um, technician get-together, and they used to do it once a year and the the guy that was the ceo at the time he was an old sheep farmer so he was the country boy so normally they would meet up at the five star places and they'd get picked up driven to the the places wherever they were staying picked up from the airport driven this one was at a place called arkabar and it was between wilpina pound and arkarula you would never know where it is. They bulldozed a road into this property and we brought in um, what they call hockers. Do you know what a hocker is? I've no idea. It's a marquee with steel frame. So there was hockers and there was the bar and the restaurant and they they ended up bringing in all the high-quality chefs, the pastry chef and all the chefs and brought them in every day, fresh food. And these people have flown in and the amount of them doing this, trying to get service, no service, nothing. <laughs> there was absolutely nothing there. And, uh, at, and none of them had camped. 
ever. What sort of people? What sort of people are we dealing with? These, so these are the winemakers. These are the people that create. So New Zealand and Australia getting together, and they left after four days, and thanking us for an experience that they have never done in their life. Absolutely loved it, and that was one of the good things about working tents, is you you would have people coming in that has never camped. So they've had a long trip. They've had a really crappy trip. <laughs> and the first thing they see is you. So you want to try and make them as happy as you possibly can. And to have them leave and thank you, it was, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. What's the secret to entertaining people to look after them like that? You've got to find out their needs, I think. Uh, having, knowing what their needs are and trying to help support those needs is is a good start and if they do come in really bad mood then it's your job to try and get a smile on their face so it's working individual people it's working with them and finding out yeah okay how was your day crappy righto let's try and get a smile happening you're here for a good time let's make a good start now do not enough people get out on the road I think so many people are out there really trying to make a living that they're not out there living a life. Uh, So they're missing out on so much else that's out there. Is it a case of living to work rather than working to live? Yeah. I mean, I prefer just to live and enjoy. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, they're, they're just too busy. They're too busy with life paying bills, putting themselves, I think, in situations that, yeah, they can't, they can't get out of. They've got to get out and they've got to work to pay for their lifestyle, you know. And I think a simple lifestyle, people forget the simple lifestyle. The simple lifestyle is so much cheaper. It's so much happier. You get out there and and live it. You don't need a $500,000 house, you know. You don't need that. Why do we? I don't know. I don't. I don't. Give me a bus. I live in a bus. Um, I don't. I really. I don't know. I think it's. Um, it, it's just how society has made it. Really, you know, it's making people feel that they've got to be like the Joneses. They've got to have that extra in their home or their extra in the car. It, things like that don't bother me. I'm, I'm a very simplistic person. Is that what you do offer to these people when they do go away and thank you? You've reminded them what a simple lifestyle is all about. Yeah, and I, and I think in, with the tent side of things, yeah, definitely. Um, they can see that you don't need this big flashy anything. Having that lifestyle and to be able to just come and go as you please and not have that um, heaviness, that weight on your shoulders. You've just sort of given them that little bit of freedom to see what's going on and, and what life can be really like. It's, you know, get out there and enjoy. Doing that, is that true freedom? That's true freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Did you start out hoping to get that? I didn't really start out. If my, I had, I absolutely had no goals. I had no, what's going to happen? Where am I going to be in five years? I've never, had never been like that. 
now. I am a little bit like that. I want adventure. Okay, what do I want to do next? Where do I want to go? This is where I want to be in five years' time. This is what I want to be doing. It's something that you've really got to, I think, have a think and have some sort of dream. You've got to, everyone's got to have a dream. Everyone's got to have some sort of goal. doesn't have to be a big one, um, but you've got to have something. What do you still want to do? Hot air ballooning. Um, continue building my businesses uh, which is going to give us that entire financial freedom and that's what I'm aiming for I never want Jim to go back to New Guinea again seven months he was stuck over there last year so I never that I don't want him to have to do that what happened there COVID, <laughs> COVID, yeah, it, it was up to them. Um, they had a choice of either staying over there or coming, coming home. If they come home, the whole job stopped. Uh, so they, we discussed it and there was only two expats, two of them over there. So, yeah, they just stayed there. It went a bit longer than what was expected, the job, but it was, it was good. It was okay. And I just got on with doing what I had to do. It was harder for him because they were outside a bubble. They were at a bush camp and not a good place to be. But he should be used to it, though, if he's lived that bohemian lifestyle. Well, he's been, he's been yeah, but he's been over there for 30 years, off and on, for 30 years. Doing so. what? And let's talk it, about what Jim does. Well, he was in the oil and gas, so he, he went from doing seismic to camp construction, uh, PIC person in charge of the camp so he's done a variety of work over there as well but all always in that um, oil and gas business yeah is it dangerous as they say over in New Guinea Mm, very much so what have you heard about what he's been up to have you been over there yourself yeah yeah I yeah I did I went over Moresby I was stayed at Port Moresby for about a week uh, he was in a completely different job for a little while, for about five months, and he was away most of that time, and it didn't look like he was going to come home, and so I ended up going over there. Port Moresby, mm, not a good place to be. Uh, it was very uh, security guards, and I had a driver, or Jim had a driver, so he was my driver. His name was My Hero. He was pretty cool. <laughs> The bush side of things, the place he was at this time was, yeah, not a good place. Lots of shootings and lots of things going, happening around the place. Wow, that's pretty dangerous. Yeah. Are they armed themselves? No. They had security there, uh, but that security... They're nationals as well, so, you know, it's... What's the perception of outsiders as expats coming into New Guinea? What do they think of, say, Jim that's gone over there and yourself? As us? Yeah, living in New Guinea and travelling and working over there. It's the money is the reason why so many go over there. It's not happening at the moment. It's pretty well shut down. Um, So, but, well, for Jim, that's... The, really, the only reason um, he was going over there was the money, and that's I think for a lot of people, it's not because they love the place, but it's just that 
yeah, the money side, the finances, just to get yourself on track. Uh, some deal with it, some don't. You know, I, I know Jim has told me over the years there's been a couple of people that have come and joined. You would think that they would be able to fit in, but they can't because it's just, yeah, it's so different. It's a completely different lifestyle. It's whole, yeah. You've really got to be able to blend in. You've got to be able to deal with the nationals, understand their lifestyle. You know, you can't change their lifestyle. That's just how they are. So, yeah, I think it, it takes a pretty special person to to work over in New Guinea. Well, that was what I was curious about is what do the nationals, how do they treat the Australians and, and what do they think of the outsiders? It depends. If, if, um, if as us going over there trying to tell them what to do, it's just not going to work. With And I can only go on what Jim tells me. So what he's always done is he's worked side by side with them. This is, if I can do it, you can do it. Uh, but if you're going to sit there and say, do this, do that, you're not going to get that respect. You've you've got to earn that respect. You've got to get in the trenches. And vi- yeah, vice versa. Yeah, yeah. You've both. It's it's a it's a respect thing. And um, yeah, just know how to deal with the situation when it comes. And Jim's very lucky. He's got that. He's got that ability to do it. Yeah. Because I've got a friend that used to work over there, and he got held up several times at gunpoint. They'd just stop at the traffic lights, yeah. and put a gun yeah. to, to the car. Has anything like that happened to Jim? Quite a few years ago, there was uh, an issue because he's always worked in the bush. It was only that short time that he actually worked in Moors, but he's always been in the Western province. Um, but he has had a couple of experiences. Uh, one in particular was near a cliff. What happened? He was held at gunpoint, him and another one of his other workers. He never actually told me. A friend told me and expanded the story a little bit. And I just said to Jim, baby, you got to tell me. <laughs> you got to tell me um, because I don't want to hear it third hand. I need to hear it. So, yeah, he told me. And he was able to get around and settling down a little bit but he has that ability Jim is he's really good in that respect he's got that ability to just calm the the situation down uh, but yeah when they get on the buoy that beetle nut yeah they can get a little bit crazy it's not real good there's no alcohol there's no alcohol in the camps because they yeah it's not a good thing <laughs> Yeah, but I'm glad he's out of it. I am glad he's out of it. I never was never at home worrying, but I knew that the situation over there was never smooth sailing either. So I'm glad that he's not going back. Gunpoint at a cliff. What does he think and what is his recollection and uh, how does he reminisce about? Doesn't. Said it, done, finished, gone. Yeah, move on. But that sounds like the way you are with most of your life. It's just new adventure next day yeah 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 enjoy it enjoy it let's get on to the next one let's do it and just have really good memories and um and forget the flies and the heat and the all that but yeah 
How is it for a relationship, though, this working away? A lot of FIFOs these days, and obviously he was more than a FIFO. Um, how is it on a relationship to have some a partner away like that? Jim was doing that when we met. So I, it was nothing different for us. It was, that was just how our life was. Uh, couples that if it just starts happening, I, th- I think it would be really, really hard. You do have to be, you got to be a special partner to understand that. I think ones with families would be so hard because uh, my kids are not Jim's kids. So um, it, it the family side of things, because it was 11 years before we even moved in together, it was a bit slack on that one but anyway um why is that i don't know because he just didn't want to i don't know i don't know it just worked out that way i had three kids wanted to bring the kids up yeah so but um yeah i think i really feel for families because it's so hard the mum is at home and the mum's still and the mum and dad i was a single parent so i know what the mum and dad being the mum and dad is and and having dad that is there but is only there part time I, I do I really feel for the parents but sometimes that's the only way they're going to get ahead and if they do have that understanding they keep that communication going it it's it will work if they don't keep that communication going it's it will I think there'll be cracks from what you've heard about what's going on over there and, and well, what used to go on, how many relationships did you hear of breaking down? A few nasty ladies emptying bank accounts. You know, Jim told me there was a few a few times that it happened. Uh, guys would come home and their house is empty, their account's empty. It, it happens. There's some nasty women out there. There, there is some nasty women out there. There might be nasty guys, but there's a lot of nasty ladies out there too. I think that's from both sides of the coin. Yeah. You know, like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. Let's talk about your businesses. Yep. You talk. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it start, and what are you doing? My natural health business. That's my hippie health business. It's a huge. It's a, such a passion of mine uh, in in the natural therapy side of things. I'm certainly not medically trained, uh, but I had an issue with my knee. So um, it's dislocated and going back to the HR and Endeavour six weeks prior to the Endeavour, I dislocated my knee and it was bad. It was really bad. So I missed out on going, raised $38,000, I may add. But uh, yeah, I was in a lot of pain. So I had a friend connect me to CBD oil and I have never looked back. I seriously have never looked back. I had been in so much pain daily, nightly, popping pills. I actually tore the lining off my esophagus because I was popping the pills so much. I created a lot of problems inside. Uh, Ended up with diverticulitis um, because I don't think anything was digesting properly. So naturopath got that sorted and I have been pain-free coming up six years. How did you discover the CBD oil? A friend introduced me to it Mm. and I was getting it and I still have a US link, but a couple of years back, I discovered an Aussie link 
and uh, I just I promote and I promote and I promote and I have a closed group and I have so many people that connect with me uh, now I'm getting known people are ringing me from friends you know and it's it's just finding what works for you that is just a huge passion I seriously I is just something that I will always do I will never stop doing it because it is helping so many people the medicinal uh, certainly not poo-pooing medicinal but it's so expensive and when people are sick they can't work so I don't see how they can afford it and I'm so glad I'm there that I can help it's a lot cheaper and what's the difference between the CBD and the medicinal marijuana they get it in smaller doses to start with and I have actually seen a bottle that's got safflower oil as the carrier oil where ours has the full spectrum it's got the hemp seed oil you can have hemp seed or MCT which is a fractionated coconut oil Uh, so it's a choice Mm. I always tell people grab the hemp seed with the, the carrier oil because they can they're just getting the full plant I swear by it I seriously swear by it. I broke my elbow about three months ago and I had to have endone for two days I couldn't deal with it <laughs> I just double dosed myself with CBD and that was it there is always the the thought that you know like it's 10 p.m and you want a pizza and uh, a, a few beers because you're taking this cbd oil what's the effect you're not gonna get a high you're not gonna get the munchies gotta ask <laughs> <laughs> no it, that's all taken out so when it's when it's all gone through its process all the high all of that is all taken out so you're not going to get the high you're not going to get the munchies and I do have a lot of people ask that and I just say no you're not smoking a joint a joint is completely different than having a few drops under your tongue what about people that want to medicate themselves for the pain because chronic pain is something that as you say you've had to deal with that will smoke a joint or have a bong or whatever they want to do what do you say to those people that are using marijuana that way i don't say anything to them because that's their choice that is their choice uh i think the oil is better for your lungs Mm. (laughs) Uh, but you know that's a person's choice that's not for me to say anything to if if they want it and i will never force it on anybody if they come to me, I'll tell them my story. I can share stories. They can get on my group page. It's a closed group page. They can read testimonials that I put up on there. I try to share a lot of information there for people. And um, I, I leave it up to them. It's entirely up to the person if they want to try. But I'll help guide them through and um, help find their sweet spot, as you say. And, yeah, we'll just... Hopefully it will help. I just want to see people out of pain. I want to see people off the pharmaceuticals because it just, it covers it up. It creates so many more other problems. Uh, I've got one particular guy, it's been on Lyrica for 20 years. He's off it. He's completely off Lyrica. What has been the reaction, of course, Lyrica for a, a for nerve complaint? Now, What's the CBD oil done to displace the need for Lyrica? He's it, he's just pain-free. 20 years. 20 years he has been in so much pain. And when I spoke to him a couple of, about a month or so ago, I said, how are you going? And he said, 
uh, I don't know if I could say this. He said, even my nuts aren't aching anymore. <laughs> I went, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I was supposed to. <laughs> I'm hearing this, but uh, Hello, yeah. hello. Hello, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's been in pain for 20 years. Um, he has taken himself, he took himself off. That, and I would never recommend that to anybody, ever. I always say, talk to your doctor, make sure your doctor knows that you're taking CBD. At least they can monitor everything that's happening. I mean, even if we're having a multivitamin, we've got to tell them that we're, that we're on a multivitamin if we were on any other medication, you know. So they need to be able to monitor what's going on. But, and I will always say to them, I'm not medically trained. So please, um, I don't know, you know, they'll tell me, all their health problems. I can't. I don't know what they're talking about half the time. All I can do is share experiences, share the testimonials, let them do let them do the Google work, you know, have a look for themselves, find out what it's all about. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's been that goes really well. That's that's my passion business. That's my passion business. My other business is I'm starting to learn to trade forex foreign currency so i'm learning what the banks i'm robbing the banks legally learning to rob the banks legally and it's and it's something i think should be at the schools it should be something that's taught in the schools kids need to be taught how to trade currency and it's so it's an interesting thing i've only i've been part of the affiliate program because there's been a lot going on in the last six or seven months that I've been part of it. But it's interesting. I see I've got a few of the girls on my team that are now live. They're making money, you know. They are making money. Of course, you're going to lose money. That's inevitable to do that. But you've you've got to learn to um, monitor it. You've got to learn to understand it. And the, the company that I'm in, they teach you everything. And they, they sort of say, the least amount you learn, the better. Don't fill your head up. Just learn the basics and then go from there. That's an interesting thing because you'd think that it'd be the opposite, that you need to know more so no. you don't make the mistake. No, and this company shows you. They teach you. They've got... I love it. It's a fantastic, and they just keep offering. Yesterday, and I can't say it publicly, but yesterday they offered something that is absolutely brilliant in our team only. I've got to tell you when we're not live. <laughs> I've got to tell you when we're not live, but it is just something that is going to be huge for our team. I'm so looking forward to it when it's put in place. But but the company itself. They offer so, there is so much that they are offering. Which is the company? It's called Epic Trading. And the amount of money we pay a month is this much compared to this much of what many people pay uh, to learn to what trade. What sort of money are we talking about and what can be made out of this sort of thing? Because someone's probably looking, listening to this and going, oh! Because it's got an affiliate program attached, it's completely up to the person on whether they just want to learn to trade, they want to just do the affiliate or do both. What's the affiliate? The affiliate is like the MLM side of things. Multi-level marketing. So is that pyramid selling? No, uh, pyramid's illegal. 
pyramids are illegal. Uh, you've got to have a product. Which is why I was asking yeah. about it because it's... Yeah, it's and so many people, and I know I still get it now, so many people, uh, it's pyramid. Well, no, it's not, but you get on with your life <laughs> and I'll get on with mine because you look at a pyramid, okay? You've got a CEO, you've got a manager, you've got assistant managers, you've got workers you got cleaners you know everything's a pyramid your food process is a pyramid um, but uh, mlm you've got to have a product if you don't have a product to sell then yeah it's a pyramid but we've got a product and that's learning to trade it's a university online so it's 135 us a month uh, i know people that are paying two grand plus to do this with other companies with other companies yeah uh, these guys uh, they've already done the hard work they've already done the work of spending two three four years learning how to do the trades they're showing us what they've learnt. what and have you learned so far well I've only just started <laughs> <laughs> I started doing it but things happened and I just had to pull myself away so it's only been in the last couple of days since i come back from my houseboat last week uh got my head calm uh yeah i just said i really seriously need to get into this because i'm seeing so many of our team members doing so well and i i know how good it is that's why i've stuck with it that's and i actually earn 600 us a month at the moment through the affiliate so that pays for my fees if i can build that up if i can start in the demo, I'm doing demo now, just playing with the with the trade. So they'll give us a live a live trade. Describe what you're actually doing in the demo and the live trade. Okay. What actually happens? Okay, if so I'm uninitiated. Okay, all right. So you can set up what they call MetaTrader Four and uh, Trading View, and they work on that. And MetaTrader Four is a demo account. So a demo account is a practice. So you're just practicing. So every day they send a couple of live trades. So you might have the US and the Australian dollar say, and they'll give you, they'll tell you what to put in on that live trade. So that's all you have to do. You don't even, if you don't want to learn, you don't have to. You just do what they copy and paste pretty well. And uh, you can watch the trades, you can watch it go up, down. They're teaching us foreign currency, crypto, metals, um, even shares if you want, beginners to advanced. When you start feeling um, confident in knowing how to read the charts, then you get a broker. You're not giving them money to do it for you. You get a broker and you can start with as little as a hundred bucks and you just play and don't get greedy. Greed is a big thing with trades and the people that I have spoken to. What, what, also, what about the saying, greed is good? <laughs> greed is bad with trades. <laughs> Why is that? Because you can lose a lot of money. You get greedy, you're gonna lose money. If you can do little bits, you know, like 20, 30 bucks, 10 bucks a day, that's that's can make a person's, uh, big difference in a person's life so yeah you just do little little bits at a time if I started when I actually started with the company I would be live now I think 
it's going to take me maybe three or four months and then I'll go live. I'll put a hundred bucks. I'll find a broker, give them the hundred dollars and then I'll follow their trades. Or if I can read charts, I'll do that. I'd love to be able to read the charts. I think it would be the candlesticks, learn the candlesticks and your pips and dips and your leverages. I think it's it's exciting and I think it's good, as I say, something for the kids. More these days with COVID, do you think more people will get into this sort of Definitely. way of making money? It's a lifetime skill. You learn that skill. Foreign currency is always going to be here. Nothing's going to change. You will always do it. And now the crypto is a huge thing as well. That's what gonna... do you think about that? Because it's. I was looking the other day, one crypto coin is worth something like $64,000. I know. It's ridiculous. They started at next to nothing. I think it was about four years ago. I was so interested in getting into Bitcoin, but we couldn't get our heads around it. And I kick myself now mm. that I didn't just put it in there and learn as you go. And that's the best way, I think, to go. Just take the opportunity and learn as you go. If the opportunity's there. With the Bitcoin, it hit $52,000, I think, yesterday. I've How's got a little 52, bit. Is that? I thought it was about 64. Wow, I've got a little bit. I've got, yeah. I've got a wallet and I put a little bit in that wallet and I just watch it. In the, I, I'm not doing anything with it. I'm just watching it grow. So... I'll just leave, I'll leave that for now. Um, but crypto is going to, I think crypto is going to take over. Eventually it will take over and they reckon it's going to hit up to 100,000 by the end of the year. Wow. I've heard that from a number of different people and yeah, they're saying that it's, it, it could hit 100,000. So I think if anybody, just if you've got a couple of hundred bucks, Put, throw in and find a wallet, find something and put a couple of hundred bucks in just to see, you know, to do it. But it's it's interesting and they teach you so I can learn how to trade with crypto. Is that one of the things that you're passionate about these days is getting other people to do what you're doing? I'm passionate about trying to help people, trying to help people get out of a slump, help people learn a new skill because I think it is a great skill to learn. Uh, and as you say, whatever happens, if COVID hit, so many people lost their jobs. If, if only you had that skill, it, would make, it wouldn't matter because you can still earn money. My big thing at, for 2021 was to help as many people as I possibly can with their health and financially. How are you going so far? I'm going really good. Actually, I'm going really, really good. What's your standout? Health. The health. My passion. Because it's trying to... I don't want to have to convince people that joining my trading company... I shouldn't have to convince people. I want people to be able to see the benefit. And if you can't see the benefit, then uh, that's... I haven't I haven't got enough time or energy for to try and convince people. Uh, with my health side, so many people are so... Um, it's so important to get healthy and feel better. I mean, I have lost so many friends with cancer. I have many friends with cancer, uh, many friends that have had cancer and got through it, uh, many friends that have had a lot of health issues. I'm helping some of them and they're sharing that with other friends. So I'm helping them, you know. So yeah, my the health side, 
yes, definitely. It How is does that make you feel? Really, it's my heart just sings. It really sings because it is just, as I say, what I am setting out to do, the passion that I have to help. And I just, when I get a testimonial from somebody to say, you know, Ria, I'm taking this and my migraines have stopped or um, I'm menopausal and that's all that's all stopped or my anxiety, I can go out in public. That's like, I did that. I shared what I love. I did that. I've helped this person get through what, they were, what they've been going through. And it is, it's a great feeling to do that. What have you still got to achieve? To still become a better person in myself. It's taken a while to get to where I am. Uh, growing, I'm still growing and I'm still learning. Aren't we all? Yeah, I think so. We learn every day. And if you're not learning every day, something's something's not going right. Look, I've achieved so much and I'll continue just putting myself out there and grabbing every opportunity I can possibly grab and it, because I think that's what our life needs is just to be open for opportunities. What opportunity would you like though? Is there something that you would really like to just drop everything and, and have a crack at? No, I think where I am, at where I am, I'm happy and I'm happy just to grow with what I've got now. I can't put any more <laughs> in my head, uh, but I'm really happy to grow what I've got and hope that I can share my opportunity with others and help them grow. But all I want to do is just have that financial freedom, jump in the bus and run away. That's all I want to do. I just want to have complete freedom, complete financial freedom and work only when we want to work, when we get bored. Well, hopefully you are starting to inspire other people to do the same thing and have their own journey and life adventure, which I think we all need to do. So Ria Bosted, thanks for joining us over the bonnet. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Mary Mark Medical. Mary Mark Medical is your local medical practice in Gympie, specialising in quality family medical care. Are you always sick? Ranging from acute medical issues to management of long-term chronic conditions. When you need to get better, even if you have complex health problems, get the right diagnosis with Mary Mark Medical. Contact Mary Mark Medical in Gympie on 54811873 or find them at 18 Young Street. The podcast is also brought to you by Gimpy Foam and Rubber, your local store that specialises in foam cup to size. They've got all sorts of good stuff like upholstery and craft foam, even loose spinning foam. The shop is packed with things like mattresses and pillows. Ah, not so squeezy. Now, they'll help you get down and dirty and save your feet with rubber flooring and mats anti-fatigue matting, and they have industrial mats and rubber. If they don't have it, Andrew will get it in for you. Plus, for Over the Bonnet listeners, mention the show and ask for your discount, and you'll receive 10% off the price. That's right, 10% 
only for over-the-bonnet listeners when you mention the show and you have to ask for your discount. That's at Gimpy Foam and Rubber. And finally, the show is brought to you by NICAD Earth Moving, that specialises in roadworks, house pads, site cleanups, land clearing, dam construction, even dewatering and swamp drainage. I didn't even know you could do that. They have a 140H grader, which is big, and their posi track, Bobcat, is also huge. There's a D65 dozer, three excavators for hire, including a 20-ton, 8-ton and a 2.5-ton. Plus, they provide side truck hire and even have a roller and a water truck. So contact Carl Dakin at NICAD Earthmoving on 0488 228806 and the earth will move for you.